I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me just for a moment, please, to Acts chapter 4, where I'd like to read a brief passage of Scripture and then reflect on the uh, subject that I sense is right to speak about tonight. In this passage, the early church, which has just been birthed, has faced opposition. And two of its leaders, Peter and John, have been pulled into um, the Sanhedrin, the leading Jewish council, to be questioned about why they are speaking in the name of Jesus. Verse 1, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. Amen. God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. On the 17th of February this year, the BBC sports page ran a headline that said, Harry Gregg, Munich Air Disaster Hero and Northern Ireland Goalkeeper, Goalkeeping Great, dies. The former Manchester United and Northern Ireland goalkeeper hailed as a hero of the 1958 Munich Air Disaster, had died at the age of 87. Greg had bravely rescued teammates and passengers on the 6th of February uh, 1958 when their plane crashed in Munich. He dragged a number of people from the wreckage of the burning plane, including Danny Blanchflower, Bobby Charlton, and a young baby. But he never saw himself as a hero. Speaking at the 60th anniversary of the disaster, here's what he said. I would be telling lies if I said that I thought about it all the time. In fact, I would go insane. I know the media would like to talk about what happened on a runway. I don't blame people for that. But if all I was ever part of, or all I ever achieved, was to do with what happened in Germany, in Munich, if that was what my life was all about, then it didn't come to very much. Then there's Philip Schofield, also described as a hero. 
The Daily Mirror and its headline recently said, Philip Schofield, the title was this, Philip Schofield given heroes welcome by dancing on ice judges as he returns to TV. That was in response to his coming out on the Friday before uh, as gay. He had been married to his wife for 27 years and they had two adult daughters. The webs, the internet and newspapers were a blast with comments and thoughts and discussions about whether or not Philip Schofield was a hero or not. One website had this headline, Should Philip Schofield be hailed as a hero? Here's what it said. TV presenter Philip Schofield has been hailed as a hero after revealing that he is gay. He appeared on ITV's This Morning after his announcement on social media and praised his incredible wife of 27 years with whom he has two daughters. There was an immediate outpouring of support from fellow celebrities. Huge respect and admiration for our friend Schoff, tweeted ITV presenters Anton Deck. The BBC's Victoria Derbyshire said so much love for uh, Schoff for his honest, open, dignified statement. Ian Watkins, who appeared recently in Dancing on Ice, welcomed Philip Schofield to our beautiful rainbow family. Dermot O'Leary, David Williams, James Corden all applauded him. Stonewall's Jeff Ingold said his statement was hugely powerful and courageous. Will Young suggested that we should have a national holiday because of his courage. A different perspective came from a woman writing in The Telegraph who said that a similar announcement by her husband of 30 years was the ultimate betrayal and humiliation. She said the lives of their two daughters were devastated. Many may wonder if Schofield needed to go public or if it might have been kinder to his family to keep the news private. Did we all need to know? What is so brave and heroic about this announcement in a society which is tolerant of sexual diversity anyway? And is such an upheaval in a relationship a matter for praise and celebration? Or is it more like a divorce, a cause for mourning? Discuss, said the website. And they discussed with every shade of opinion under the sun. What is a hero? Is Philip Schofield a hero? I make no comment. Is Harry Gregg a hero? What is a hero? What defines a hero? Time magazine in 2018 published a list of people that they thought were heroes that year. I wonder if you can remember that far back. I can't. I was reminded of some of the stories as I was researching for tonight's sermon. Do you remember the Thai cave rescuers who went into Thailand to rescue the boys that had been trapped? Described as heroes, James Shaw Jr., who tackled a Waffle House shooter in Nashville. Brad Brown, a hospital chaplain in Paradise, California, who rescued people in his minivan from blazing fires as they swept across the state on the 8th of November. Tammy Jo Schutz, an airline pilot, who saved the lives of all of her 143 passengers when the engine on her Boeing 737 exploded on the 17th of April, 2018. Or do you remember the man Mamadou Gassima, who on the 26th of May in France climbed the building up four floors to rescue the little four-year-old boy that was hanging from the balcony and was then given French citizenship? Time describes all of those people as heroes. Who's your hero? Do you have one? What is it about the human psyche that looks for somebody to look up to, to admire, to respect, to be inspired by? 
I would suggest that God has put in all of us a desire to find someone that can fill that space. Someone that we can look up to, someone that we can admire, someone that we can be inspired by. In an article on their website, Psychology Today wrote a a piece about 18 months ago entitled, Why Jesus is a Hero to Billions. It said that it wanted to recognize that not all those who described Jesus as a hero were followers of Jesus. And it gave five reasons psychologically why Jesus could be seen as a hero. He was born one. Secondly, he was a revolutionary. Thirdly, he endured suffering. Fourthly, he gave his life for others. Fifthly, he transformed society. The historian and author H.G. Wells once wrote this, I am an historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a, hist- as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Well, Christians believe that. We believe that God in his son, Jesus Christ, sits at the center of history. Here in the West, we take the very date from his birth. It was the moment that changed everything. Who's your hero? Who do you look up to? There are many in the church that will make leaders heroes. They will think that their leaders are faultless, that they are perfect, but eventually all people realize that leaders are broken. Some will make a denomination a hero. Some will make an idea a hero, a sports person a hero, a film star a hero. When Michael Jackson died, millions of people went into deep mourning. When Elvis Presley died, the same thing happened. It's easy to create heroes in our lives that will let us down because people will eventually fail us. All people will eventually fail us. If you're married, then your husband or your wife will eventually make a mistake and you'll have to work out how to recover from it. Your children will make mistakes. You will make mistakes as a parent. That's what happens with life. Each of us are broken. We carry with us issues and challenges that we have to face. The problem is when you make someone a hero, when you put them at the very center of your life and you see in them that nothing wrong can ever happen, Nothing that they do could ever be in any way detrimental to you. You're putting the wrong place and person at the center of your life. Christianity has only room for one hero. It's not the characters of the Old Testament. It's not the characters of the New Testament. It's not any church leader. It's not any pastor or elder or deacon or author or writer or speaker or singer. The hero that sits at the center of all faith in the Christian church is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you hear Peter and John saying with such significance and strength in this passage, there is no other name given amongst people on earth by which we can be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Christians have worshipped him for two millennia. We've named him as the saviour of the world, as the king of kings, as the one that we look up to. 
I want to unpack with you for just a few moments a couple of reasons why Christ sits at the center of our lives. And if we will allow him, we'll be the hero that will never let us down, will never ever walk away from us, will never abandon us, will never fail us, will never get it wrong, will never disappoint us, will never leave us. And I want to urge you, whoever you are and wherever you are, watching online or in this room, not to give anyone else that place. Never give anyone central place in your life other than Jesus Christ, because he is the only one that will sustain you. The first reason is a very simple one. In John chapter 5, verses 39 to 40, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders. And they are claiming that they are faithful and that they know the truth. And here's what he says to them. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Christian theology believes that at the very center of God's plan stands Jesus Christ. From before time began until after time ends, the whole story points to him. That he is the one that makes sense of life. That he's the one that can bring life. That he's the one that can take our disappointments, our questions, our anxieties, our mistakes, our feelings, our failures, our uncertainties, and he can redeem them. He stands at the very center of God's story for the universe. He's not a periphery. He's not just a good person. He's not just a good example. He's not just someone that we can be inspired by. He is the heartbeat of the story. He's the one that gives it definition and meaning. He puts the rhythm into our lives. God has, we are told in the Bible, clearly and powerfully revealed himself through Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, a church that was trying to understand who Jesus was and who it was that they were following, he said this, he is the visible expression of the invisible God and the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. This hero of our lives, if we are Christians, is not just a good man. He's not just a good example. He's the one that holds all things together. He's the one that makes sense of life. He's the only one who is consistent. He's the one that can take our brokenness and our failing and turn it into something that can be redeemed and transformed. And whoever you are, and wherever you are, online or in this room, whatever has happened in your life, God can redefine your story through this man. He can reorientate you and give you a better future. He can take all the mistakes of the past. He can take all the mistakes that you're making at the moment. He can take all of your misjudgments. He can take all of your wrong priorities, all of your wrong thinking, and he can reorder it through Jesus Christ. There is no one that gives life like he does. And there's no one that can sustain and carry us through the storms like he can. The second reason is very simply this. This Jesus shows us what God is like. We don't have to grope around in the dark trying to work out what God looks like or what God acts like or how compassionate he is or how gracious he is. We see God in the face of Jesus. 
In the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, there is a description used of God, the Savior. It is the Son of Man. Jesus uses it as one of his most popular phrases to describe himself more than 80 times across the Gospels. He understands himself to be one who has been sent to show us what God is like. He clearly and evidentially demonstrates that he understands himself to be God come amongst us. In John chapter 1, as John tried to explain who this person was who had arrived, he says this, that the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood and dwelt amongst us. And he describes Jesus as the center of the revelation of who God is. I don't need to take you to a saint. I don't need to take you to someone else tonight. I, I have confidence that when you ask me, Malcolm, what is God? What is the creator of the universe like? I can tell you what he is like. He looks and sounds and behaves like Jesus Christ. He is as compassionate as Jesus is. He is as forgiving as Jesus is. He is as powerful as Jesus is. He is as faithful as Jesus is. He is as kind and caring as Jesus is. He is as direct and honest as Jesus Christ is. Across the Old Testament, there are many titles given to God. Jesus fulfills so many of them. He is a suffering servant. He is the first and the last. He is the light of the world. He's the rock upon which our feet stand. He is the shepherd that rescues us. He's the redeemer that comes and sets us free. He is the savior that holds us. He is the Lord of glory. Here is a person who doesn't just tick boxes. He brings God to us. And in so doing, he shows us our worth, our value, our significance, the depths of God's compassion and mercy to us. Most of the people that I meet within the context of my pastoral responsibilities are men and women who have struggled to come to terms with themselves. They come with mixed up pasts and stories, feeling as if they're not good enough for God feeling as if somehow God couldn't accept them, that they are at the bottom of the list of the invites. And yet, God has shown us through Jesus Christ that he is compassionate and merciful and gracious and kind. And if a hero is someone who rescues, there is no one who rescues like Jesus. If a hero is someone who puts others first, there is no one who rescues and puts others first like him. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 45, describing Jesus, uh, Jesus describing himself says this, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to seek, and to save the lost. If you find yourself in a situation where you need mercy, God is present tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit to give you that mercy in Jesus Christ. If you have got yourself into a mess and you do not know how to get out of it, Christ can rescue you. If you need a way through, he can give you a way through. If you need a fresh start, he can wipe the slate clean. If you are caught in the middle of habits and behaviors and attitudes that you do not know how to break, then Jesus Christ is here and is able to break them in you, through you, 
and for you. All you need to do is ask him. Some of us think that what I've said so far is a message for non-Christians. Can I remind those of us that are Christians that this is a message for us as much as anybody else. We fall into the trap of giving other people the place that Jesus deserves. Avoid it. Instead, tonight, remember the promise of Jesus Christ himself. If the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all people onto himself. Imagine if we were each to make a decision tonight that said, I am not going to give anyone or anything central place other than Jesus Christ. I'm going to refocus my attention on him. I'm going to refocus my gaze on him. I'm going to let him be the beating heart of my life. I'm going to make sure that I don't put anyone in that place. And I'm going to let Jesus have central place in my heart and in my soul. I wonder what would change in our actions. I wonder what would change in our attitudes. I wonder what would change in our priorities and our decisions. But in any good hero story, the hero wins. And Jesus wins. Jesus has the last word. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, an old John writing to the church in Ephesus, trying to help them understand who he understands Jesus Christ to be, says this, For this purpose Christ was revealed, to destroy the works of the evil one. And he has won. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27, the Apostle Paul talking about Jesus says that only Jesus, the resurrected living Jesus Christ, has the power to defeat our ultimate enemy, death, and that in the end, even death itself will be defeated. This powerful hope is better than Les Miserables. It's better than Frozen. It's better than any other story or book that you might read. It's better than The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's better than the Time 2018 list. It's better than um, any Philip Schofield or Harry Gregg. Some of those people are heroes. Harry Gregg was a hero. His courage inspires us. His example inspires us. Those uh, men that went into the caves in Thailand to rescue those boys are heroes. They inspire us to a better version of ourselves. They remind us that there is still virtue in the world and that we can see people that are exercising it. But the one hero above all others is Jesus Christ. And in the Christian church and in the Christian story, he is the only hero worth following. Don't follow David. Don't follow Joshua. Don't follow Moses. Don't follow Abraham. Don't follow Paul. Don't follow James. Don't follow John. Don't follow Deborah. Don't follow Ruth. Don't follow a pastor. Don't follow a preacher. Don't follow an author. Don't follow a website. Don't follow a live stream. Don't follow a church. Follow Jesus. The one who stands above everyone and everything else and is always faithful, always good, always kind, always compassionate, always merciful. And what is remarkable, what is breathtaking, is that he is here tonight. Present 
by the power of his Holy Spirit to meet you and me at the point of our need. You don't have to go searching for him. You don't have to look for him. You don't have to try and find him. He's not hiding from you. He is here, ready to release people that need released. Ready to bring comfort to those who need comfort. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus describes himself in this way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What if God has set the 1st of March as a divine appointment for you? Christian, what if God brought you here tonight? What if God has you online and he wants to refocus your gaze? He wants to give you the opportunity to focus again on Jesus. What if your heartache has got in the way? What if your pain has blurred your vision? What if your tears have made it hard to see Jesus? What if your sense of betrayal or disappointment or confusion has got in the way? And God has said, tonight I want you to focus on me. I want you to see my son and allow him to do his work in you. What if God is here by the power of the Holy Spirit to restore you? A non-Christian watching online, perhaps here tonight, exploring life, trying to work out what it all means and how it all fits together. What if those that you thought would never disappoint you have? And God has brought you here through the media of the internet or into this room to say to you, there is a friend who will stick closer than a brother. There's one that will never let you down. There's one that can take you and forgive you and cleanse you and give you a fresh start and give you the sense of hope and possibility that you need. There is a person that is a true hero. My prayer tonight is that as Jesus stands amongst us, that you will not miss him, but instead you will respond to his invitation.